What's up, guys? Welcome to the 18th episode of the Good Guy Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andres Valencio. Some of the topics we'll touch on during this week's episode include Toronto's Eastern Conference Finals victory over Milwaukee and my reaction after last week when I said Toronto had no shot to win. Yikes. What to make of ESPN's recent scathing report on the state of the Los Angeles Lakers. And we bring on our second ever guest to the show, my friend and former East Lansing High School and Kalamazoo College football star, Elijah Hamilton Ray, joins us on the show. We got all that and a whole lot more coming up. You're listening to The Good Guy Podcast. Welcome to episode number 18 of the Good Guy Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Andres Valencio. Coming to you guys on Wednesday, May 29th, 2019. I hope that y'all are in the middle of a beautiful week. Had a nice, long Memorial Day weekend. Got to kick it with your friends, maybe your family, doing some traveling, uh, or at the very least, Hopefully getting to enjoy some pretty nice weather. I know up here in Michigan, definitely it was a sunny majority of the time, so hard to complain about much. Uh, Obviously, shout out to all the people who gave their lives uh, serving this country. Obviously, that's what Memorial Day weekend is all about, but I hope that all of you were able to enjoy yourselves. Uh, I also want to take the opportunity to uh, wish you all a happy National Paperclip Day. As you know, we're starting off the show by doing these kind of weird niche holidays. And uh, I got to say, this is probably the stupidest one that I've seen so far. Can't really see the purpose behind it. I guess paper clips are are useful, but um, but hey, I I guess it's a thing. So hopefully you uh, took a second today to enjoy the benefits of paper clips. Our celebrity birthday shout out this week goes to Carmelo Anthony. The former NBA star turns 35 years old today. Obviously, Melo, a very dynamic scorer, especially in his prime, having played for the Denver Nuggets, the New York Knicks, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and most recently this season, a very brief stint with the Houston Rockets before he was cut and uh, never picked up. Guys, a former All-NBA player, one of the truly gifted offensive scorers, uh, that you'll ever see, especially in his prime, but today he is clearly a shell of himself and just hasn't come to realize it. A really great example of just not knowing when to give something up. So, uh, Nonetheless, want to wish him a happy birthday. Hopefully free agency is treating him nicely. And, uh, you know, since LeBron's out of the playoffs and Chris Paul and Dwayne Wade are both out as well, the Banana Boat crew perhaps can get together and help him celebrate the big three five uh speaking of not knowing of when to give it up speaking of perseverance the stanley cup finals are underway we have the boston bruins taking on the st louis blues the blues actually had the worst record in the nhl back in early january and yet clearly righted the ship enough to get themselves into the playoffs and have rode that momentum all the way to the stanley cup finals Boston took a 1-0 lead in the series Monday night. 
and took game one in what should be a pretty entertaining series uh, if you're into hockey, which I admittedly am not. But if you're looking to watch some, game two is tonight. So we'll see if the Blues can even things up or if Boston will take a commanding 2-0 lead. I will say I am rooting for the Blues because I am sick of Boston winning seemingly everything between the Patriots, the Red Sox. It seems like the Celtics had a down year because they only made the second round of the NBA playoffs. I'm sick of it. So go Blues. Hopefully they can come through tonight. In baseball, the Minnesota Twins currently have the best record in the MLB, kind of as the surprise of the season thus far, while the Detroit Tigers are sitting at 20-32, and 32, a mere 16 games back in the division in what seems like another long season for the Tigers. Obviously, a lot of baseball left to be played, but I think uh, an earlier end to the season would actually be merciful for the Tigers this year. And a little bit of sadder news, um, sports lost a couple of well-known figures during the weekend. Uh, Bill Buckner, who was a former Major League Baseball player, really known for making one of the biggest mistakes ever in the 1986 World Series. Uh, He let the ball roll through his legs in the ninth inning, um, allowing the winning run to score uh, when he could have fielded it and Boston would have won. The Red Sox went on to lose the series and... uh, Buckner kind of became infamous for that play. Um, Obviously tough for any player to go through, but throughout all the criticism, throughout kind of having that black mark on his career, he remained a classy individual uh, based on everyone who ever spoke about him. And a guy who who really, how good of a career he had kind of got lost in that one moment. Someone who had over 2,700 hits, 1,200 RBIs in his career. I think he's something like 65th or 66th on the all-time hit list, which is... You know, a pretty darn good place to be. He passed away, uh, I believe, on Monday at age 69. Uh, And Bart Starr, the legendary quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, a guy who won the first two Super Bowls ever and was named MVP of both of those games. He was elected to the NFL Hall of Fame and actually also spent eight seasons as the head coach of the Packers. Didn't have as much success as a coach uh, you know, in terms of what he did as a player, but a Packer through and through, and a guy who was known for his integrity and his character both on and off the field. He died Sunday at the age of 85. So, um, you know, some some tough losses for the sports world this week. Well wishes to their families, and uh, you know, two guys who who really epitomized class both on and off of the field. And of course, finally, we have the NBA where the finals are set. We have Game 1 coming up tomorrow night when the Golden State Warriors, the two-time defending champs, take on the Toronto Raptors who advance to their first ever NBA Finals after beating the Milwaukee Bucks in Game 6 this past Saturday. And so I want to start today's episode by doing something that It's never fun. I don't care what anybody says. They don't like doing it. But it's something that I'm always willing to do when it's warranted. And if I wasn't, I wouldn't be able to do a show like this. I want to admit that I was wrong with my statements last week. And I want to apologize to the Toronto Raptors. If you didn't hear last week's episode, I was emphatic in my belief that Milwaukee 
would win that series and that frankly after game three I thought they would do so pretty easily and I was dead wrong Toronto showed incredible resilience throughout the series after two games they get down 2-0 including getting blown out in game two game three goes to double overtime at home and you know, you go down 0-3, no team's ever come back from that. They showed a lot of fight and grit in getting that game to cut the series to 2-1. to one. And coming back from double-digit deficits in games 5 and 6, including game 5, which was on the road. So incredible resilience throughout the series. And after years of coming up small in the playoffs, and that was a big part of the reason it was hard for me to wrap my brain around the idea that they could break through They showed me, they showed everybody that they're a different team this year. And I I couldn't have been more wrong. I mean, I will fully admit it. Kawhi Leonard. Wow. What else can he say about the guy? He proved to everyone that he is, at the very least, a top three player in the world. And that might be an understatement. And certainly... Far and away, I don't want to hear any more about Joel Embiid or Giannis Antetokounmpo. At least for now, Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the East, and it's it's indisputable. He took down both those guys to get to where he is now. He really has carried this team throughout the playoffs. He was the best player on the floor offensively and defensively in this series And that's a series where the likely league MVP and potential defensive player of the year, the Greek freak, shared the floor with him. Now I will say, in trying to find a silver lining and being so just terribly wrong, I will say Kawhi validated something that I said just a few weeks ago on the show. When I said that he, and not, Kevin Durant could end up being the more impactful and important free agent signing or decision coming up this offseason. I mean, you look at Leonard, he's younger than Durant. His offensive game has improved tremendously, and he may still be getting better. And he's already, as opposed to Durant, a much better defender who has single-handedly carried a team farther than Durant has ever shown he can on his own. Now, obviously, KD has had incredible performances in the finals. I would still probably take KD if it was going into next season. But Kawhi has made it a discussion when three or four months ago, it very well may not have been. I also have to give credit to Toronto when it comes to Kawhi Leonard. I had this discussion discussion recently with my friend Miles McGee, who we had on the show a few weeks ago, about teams being afraid to be aggressive, to go for it, to take chances and stop settling for mediocrity. If you look at where the Raptors were last year, they had Dwayne Casey as their head coach. Guy won coach of the year. 
They had DeMar DeRozan, who was a perennial all-star, as their best player. And it had been that way for years with the two of them. And after years of embarrassing playoff losses, last year they go, have a great regular season, they wrap up the number one seed, it was was seeming like they were finally ready to maybe take that next step. They meet their nemesis, LeBron James, in the second round, playing against an undermanned Cavs team, and they got swept. Again. Now this year, LeBron, he leaves the East. It would have been very easy for the Raptors as an organization to say, okay, now that guy's finally gone. Now we can finally break there. We're gonna run it back. Let's, let's bring Demar to you know bring Demar back. Let's bring Dwayne back. We're gonna do this now that LeBron's gone. We've got our shot. Let's try. We know it's failed many times before, but we're just we're just gonna try it again. These guys always have us in contention. Let's just keep doing it. But they didn't do that. They took a shot. They traded. Their all-star, who had chosen to be there for a top-five player who was far from a guarantee to re-sign. They fired that coach of the year, Dwayne Casey. He's coaching the Pistons now. Didn't look like a coach of the year candidate this year, but that's neither here nor there. They fired him and promoted his assistant, Nick Nurse, to head coach. Hell, at mid-season... They trade for Grizzlies center, Mark Gasol. They weren't content. Yeah, we're pretty good. Let's see if we can get better. We may need this guy in the playoffs. Go get him. They were aggressive. They didn't settle or let fear deter them from going for it. And nowadays, aggressive is winning in sports. Look at, look at the Los Angeles Rams who could have easily rested on a pretty good 2017 season. They made the playoffs, won their division, got knocked out in the first round, but hey, they were a young team. Let's just run it back with pretty much the same roster. But no, they didn't want to settle. They didn't want to run it back. Let's bring in Ndamukong Sue. Let's bring in Aqib Tlaib, Marcus Peters, Brandon Cooks. Let's trade for Dante Fowler and sign C.J. Anderson. And they were in the Super Bowl. Good is the enemy of great. And good for Toronto for not being complacent in being good in being bold enough to try to go for great. And they proved a lot of people, myself included, wrong and made a statement that those Raptors who would come up small in the playoffs, who would get swept, who would build up all this hype in the regular season only to let everyone down, those are the Raptors of old and those are not us. Now, in looking ahead to the finals, I will say... I'm picking Golden State in six. With or without Kevin Durant, I don't expect KD to play. And I don't think it will matter. I still think the Warriors 
are just a little too good for Toronto. But I should note, it has less to do with how I feel about the Raptors or the city of Toronto. And I should say for the record, I'm a big Drake fan. So, you know, nothing against any of that. I actually, you know, people made a big deal about the the Nick Nurse getting shoulder rubbed by Drake. I thought it was entertaining. I think he kind of brings a Spike Lee element of fun to the games. And obviously, I'm a big fan of his music. Nothing against Toronto, nothing against Drake or the Raptors or any of that. Has more to do with how I feel about the Warriors, how much I respect what they've accomplished, the system. I think they are the pinnacle of what a professional organization organization looks like right now. And it's just going to be tough for me to pick against them. But if the Raptors do pull it off, if they upset the current NBA dynasty, I mean... It wouldn't shock me. They already blew my mind. I'm not going to let it happen twice. And if they manage to to bring home the title, I will be the first to admit that I was wrong again. And I will give the Raptors, Drake, the city of Toronto, another much-deserved, well-earned Congratulations. I want to switch over to the other side of the coin. And, uh, you know, being wrong about the Eastern Conference Finals obviously means that I picked Milwaukee to take down Toronto uh, in that series. And last week, as I said, if you didn't have the chance to listen, I said that the Bucks would beat the Raptors and that Milwaukee doing so would symbolize kind of their opening of their championship window. You hear that term a lot in sports. They have a window to win. Now, clearly, I was premature in expecting Milwaukee to take that step. They are a very young team with a young leader and superstar. And typically throughout history especially in the NBA, teams have to go through growing pains before kind of breaking through and winning that title. Now, I thought Milwaukee's growing pains would come in the finals against Golden State. Clearly, they came around early. But you look back on guys like Michael Jordan struggling to beat the bad boy Pistons, who struggled to beat the Boston Celtics. Obviously, LeBron had his struggles throughout his career before he broke through and won. Uh, Golden State had to lose a couple of early playoff series before breaking through once they got Steve Kerr. And so you see this with a lot of a lot of teams who eventually go on to win. They have to kind of go through it first, feel that heartbreak before they can kind of get to that level. And I will say, even despite the disappointment of losing the conference finals, Milwaukee really should consider this a successful season. One that saw them win 60 games, lock up the number one seed, come within two games of the NBA Finals, and in which their best player, Giannis Antetokounmpo, will likely win league MVP. He's in contention for Defensive Player of the Year. And their head coach, Mike Budenholzer, has a chance to be named Coach of the Year. Chris Middleton, by the way, became a first-time All-Star. So a lot of good things 
happen for Milwaukee this season. Now, the Greek Freak's flaws were a bit more glaring in his matchup against Toronto, especially when he was guarded by Kawhi Leonard, who is probably the best player in the NBA and the only guy capable of making Giannis struggle so much on a consistent basis. And I have no doubt, you know, it's widely reported that Giannis has a really good work ethic. I have no doubt he'll spend much of the offseason working on developing more of an outside shot. Even having a mid-range game would be hugely beneficial to him moving forward. And I'm sure that he'll come back next season as an even better player, which is scary for the rest of the league. And uh, and he has indicated he wants he wants the exact same team back next year. Let's run it back. Let's let's do it again. I'm going to be better. Bring all these guys back with me. We'll, we'll to give it another crack. And I understand this sentiment. I do. And with a more dangerous Giannis, especially one with a better outside shot. I don't think there's any doubt Milwaukee would again be a serious contender in the East. But Bucks management should do their star a favor, even if it's one he doesn't yet know that he wants. Don't be content to just bring back the exact same team or minus, you know, one bench player or two. Do whatever you can to bring him back a better team. Don't be complacent. We just talked about this with Toronto. It would have been easy to say, LeBron's gone, Dwayne Casey, DeMar, let's do it again. Mm -mm. Be aggressive. Be creative. Don't just count on Giannis' improvement to put you over the top. Now, this may seem obvious. Of course they want to try to build a better team next year. Duh. But it doesn't always happen that way. And this situation, as it stands, it reminds me a little bit of one we saw just over a decade ago. LeBron James in his first stint with the Cleveland Cavaliers. A young freakishly talented phenom carrying a franchise that had been irrelevant for years to places it hadn't been in forever. You think about that 2007 season with Cleveland. LeBron broke through, beat the bad boy number two Pistons, had that incredible game five where he scored like 25 straight points, took them to the NBA Finals where they were swept by the Spurs. LeBron spent seven years in Cleveland. That was his breakthrough moment. But that first stint, he spent seven years, made the playoffs five times, won two MVPs, and made those finals. But throughout his first stint in Cleveland, the Cavs never surrounded him with a reliable second piece or a strong supporting cast. Now, whether that was due to an inability to convince players to come play in Cleveland or an arrogance of believing that their homegrown star would never dare to leave the area where he grew up, 
Throughout that first stint, it was always LeBron and a bunch of Jags. Just a guy. LeBron and just a bunch of guys. Now, I'm sure for a while, especially early on in his stint in Cleveland, and I'm sure certainly after that first breakthrough to get to the finals, I'm sure he thought, oh, I'll never leave. But then in the subsequent seasons, you saw the postseason disappointments begin to mount year after year until he began to realize that the front office was either unwilling or unable to provide him with the pieces necessary to win championships. So he left. And Cleveland, for a while, lost the greatest player it likely will ever have. Giannis, to this point, he's previously stated... He has a desire to spend his entire career in Milwaukee, which is not a glamorous market, not a free agent hotbed. And I'm sure that right now, he means it. He he genuinely means it and believes it. But let's see how he feels after another couple of postseason defeats. Let's see how the Bucks stack up if, I don't know, what if Kevin Durant and Kyrie go to the Knicks? Or what if Kyrie stays in Boston and Anthony Davis is traded to Boston? What if AD's traded to New York and him and KD play together? Or the three of them join forces in Brooklyn? What if Kawhi Leonard decides to stay in Toronto, the team that just beat the Bucks? Don't forget about Philadelphia. Their young core, especially Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, they're only going to get better. And that front office has shown a willingness to be aggressive, to bring in big-name players. They're not going to stand pat. When LeBron lost to San Antonio in those 2007 finals, when the Cavs were swept, nobody panicked, including the Cavs' front office. Because it was just kind of assumed. Hey, it's okay. Cleveland's time's going to come. This is the first of many trips to the finals. We'll be back here probably next year and the year after that. But they never got back. Because suddenly, the Boston Celtics put together the big three. Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett. The Orlando Magic, Dwight Howard, emerged. And in his first stint in Cleveland, LeBron never made it back to the finals. The Cavs never gave him a second star, hoping that he would maybe somehow lift them past those teams anyway, and it didn't happen. He left for Miami, won a couple titles, And you saw what it did to the fan base. Now, of course, LeBron eventually returned. And this time teamed up with Kyrie Irving. The Cavs front office clearly learned their lesson. They made the trade for Kevin Love and signed all the guys that LeBron wanted. 
and he delivered Cleveland its long-awaited title. But let's say in the next couple of seasons, in the playoffs, the Bucks lose to New York and then maybe Philly without even making the finals. Would Giannis come to realize what LeBron eventually did? If the team's complacent and says, Giannis, this is our squad, carry us there. And he tries and he fails and he comes up against teams who are aggressive and making moves and pairing stars. Is he going to want to stick around? And if he leaves, let's be honest. How likely is it that, like LeBron, he'd come back, finish the job in Milwaukee where... Unlike LeBron in Cleveland, he has no roots. So Milwaukee, don't get complacent. You have a once-in-a-generation talent on your team who right now wants to be there. Don't let that change. Be aggressive. Look to get better. Your roster isn't perfect. That's why you just got knocked out by a team many expected you to beat. And don't make assumptions, oh, our time is coming just because we've got Giannis. Cleveland did that with LeBron, and they lost him. You do the same, you may end up in the same boat. And if you let that happen... I'd be willing to bet that unlike King James, the Greek freak, he ain't making his way back. So, if you haven't heard, um, the Los Angeles Lakers are an absolute mess. Obviously, after five straight years of missing the playoffs... Last offseason, they went out and added LeBron James, who had been to eight straight finals. And yet, somehow, in the Western Conference, still managed to finish 11 games out of the playoffs this past season. That made it six straight years without making the playoffs. And in the past six years, the Lakers are tied with the disaster that is the New York Knicks. For the worst record in the NBA. A few weeks ago, Magic Johnson, Laker legend, and the team president abruptly quit. They fired their head coach, Luke Walton, and subsequently botched negotiations with their top two choices to replace him, Ty Lue and Monty Williams, before settling on their third choice, Frank Vogel. Did I mention that they've been the worst team in the NBA the last six years? Covered that? Okay. So, yeah. It's been pretty bad. And uh, somehow yesterday, it actually got worse. ESPN released a story on their website basically detailing the chaos and dysfunction Within the Lakers organization. 
I'm not going to go into every single thing that was covered. It's a long article. If you have time, you should read it. It is interesting. There's a lot of really good info in there, a lot of really interesting stories. But I will kind of, you know, brush over it. Essentially, it painted Magic Johnson, again, team president, as a ruthless boss who mistreated employees and was absent from his day-to-day responsibilities who ignored the wishes of the coaches and scouting department when making free agent signings. It suggested that owner, Jeannie Buss, who inherited the team from her father, Jim, or or Dr. Buss, rather, that she's in over her head, she's listening to too many people in the organization, and she is failing to take leadership of a franchise that desperately needs it. It even describes LeBron and... In particular, his agent, Rich Paul, as guys who have too much power, who spent the entire season trying to get the coaching staff fired, trying to facilitate the trade for Pelican star Anthony Davis, which ruined the team chemistry. It's really just an indictment on people in power positions and in leadership positions within the organization and it gives examples as to how as to how each of them fell short and made mistakes but there's one other important figure who gets mentioned in the story and i believe that his situation and getting that figured out is the most pressing for the lakers moving forward because genie bus is the owner and she ain't going anywhere And LeBron is your franchise player, and he ain't going anywhere. And if he ain't going anywhere, his agent, Rich Paul, guess what? He ain't going anywhere either. And Magic, well, he's already gone. He he made the decision to quit on his own. The person I'm speaking about is Lakers GM, Rob Palenka, who looks like Rob Lowe. Plinka used to be the agent of Kobe Bryant, obviously a Laker legend. But throughout his tenure, not only as GM of the Lakers, but during his time as an agent within the league, this is a guy who's long been rumored to be untrustworthy, known to bend the truth, and called, quite frankly, a flat-out liar. The article mentions one story in particular that It's almost like something you can't make up, but somehow he did. It details a story that Palenka told the team about how a few months uh, or a while back when he was working as Kobe's agent that Kobe had gone to see the movie The Dark Knight, obviously, which is a Batman movie. And Heath Ledger, for those of you who haven't seen it, number one, you should. But Heath Ledger in that movie plays the Joker and delivers... An unbelievable performance. He delivered it uh, just before he passed. And so Palenka tells the story of how after Kobe saw the movie, he was so intrigued and inspired by Ledger's ability to immerse himself into the role of the Joker that he requested that Rob set up a meeting so he could find out just how Ledger had done that. And Palenka went on to say that uh, Bryant and Ledger had dinner following the movie and discussed Ledger's process into getting locked into his role 
Well, the story is relevant because it's a lie. Uh, Heath Ledger died months before The Dark Knight was released. Uh, I believe that the movie hadn't actually even been edited before the time of his passing. So the idea that Kobe saw the movie was inspired to meet Ledger and had dinner with him to discuss is, is untrue. I mean, there's no way that it could be true. And so this is just an example of a guy who, again, has been uh, labeled throughout his career as a liar, as someone who's untrustworthy, as someone who is willing to say whatever to get ahead. And so if you're the Lakers, this is, a, this is your general manager. You can't have someone perceived as untrustworthy, even if it's not true. You can't have someone perceived as untrustworthy running your basketball operations. The Lakers are not a team that can take their time and and build through the draft over the next few years. They have LeBron James at the end of his career. They need to acquire ready-to-win-now guys. Whether that's via free agency or trades. And Palinka isn't well-liked in the NBA community from his days as an agent. He was known as kind of a sleazy, you know, get-ahead kind of guy. Teams don't want to do business with him. And if that's the case, how are you supposed to facilitate trades? It was reported part of the reason the Pelicans wouldn't even answer the phone when the Lakers called is because of Palinka. What about free agents? Do you think that their agents in good conscience, in good faith, can send their players to the Lakers with all this turmoil and when a known liar is in charge? Hell, even Magic Johnson, who allegedly loves the Lakers and who worked alongside Palinka for years, He's come out and said on TV, to the detriment of the Lakers, he's ripped him. He's basically blamed him for everything, accused him of backstabbing, of betrayal, of lying. So an NBA legend who worked for your team and alleges to love your franchise is calling the head of your basketball operations a liar, a backstabber, untrustworthy. On top of the reputation he already built, And on top of telling stories like the Heath Ledger, Kobe Bryant nonsense. That's the the guy running your organization. If I'm Jeannie Buss, I fire Rob Palenka today. And I don't care who you hire to replace him because I can't imagine anyone who would be worse on reputation alone. But I cannot have a liar who has a terrible reputation of being dishonest and who is disliked by other teams, by players, agents, running my franchise, especially in a time when I need to attract star marquee players. Personally, I would hire an outsider. I don't really care who it is and understand that it's late in the process. I would tell him all I want you to do is focus on cultivating relationships with two or three teams who have players we feel like we could trade for and who could help us. Cultivate those relationships, get them to answer the phone to hear you out. And even if we can't facilitate 
deals this offseason, hopefully in the future we have the chance to do so down the line. And I let LeBron be my head recruiter in free agency. You get a hold of the guys. You call Kawhi. You call Kyrie. You call Jimmy Butler. Sell them on yourself more than the Lakers if you have to. Because frankly, anyone reading any of the coverage about the Lakers, they can't see it as anything more than a dumpster fire as it is. Now don't get me wrong. Again, if you read the story, there's plenty of blame to go around for what happened with the Lakers last year. Jeannie Buss, you got to stop running your billion-dollar franchise like it's a mom-and-pop shop and only hiring friends and family and former employees. and not. No. Think outside the box. Bring in guys who have a pattern of success in front office roles and not your friends. LeBron, I've said it, second greatest player ever. Great role model, but he was not a great leader last season. He's got to be a better leader. Show he's more committed, regardless of who his teammates are. Magic Johnson. Look, he, he obviously didn't deserve that job in the first place, and he clearly wasn't willing to put in the work to do a good job. And his public criticism of the franchise he swears he loves has done some serious damage, and he's made things worse, seemingly to save his own skin. None of those people are without fault. But as we said before, two of them ain't going anywhere, and one of them's already gone. So if you're the Lakers, and you want to take a step to get this thing fixed, it starts with firing Rob Palinka. Like yesterday. It may seem harsh. I get it. But it needs to happen, and that's the truth. Which, as the story details, is something that you'll rarely ever get when dealing with Rob Palenka. Lots of basketball in the show today. And, uh, you know, of course, I mean, I would say with good reason. You got the Raptors, the Warriors, upcoming free agency is always kind of in the back of our mind. And this Lakers story, I mean, it's it just seems like there's more headlines and drama coming out of that place with each and every week, and they haven't played a basketball game in almost two months. But the NBA Finals, we still have a couple more teams who are playing, and when they tip off tomorrow... It's going to be two franchises coming in with two very different histories, especially recently. You have Golden State, which is obviously a dynasty, going for their fourth title in five years. Something that hasn't been done since Bill Russell was playing for the Celtics way back in like the 60s. Toronto, meanwhile... They're making their first ever finals appearance and obviously going for their first ever title. So that's a you know a compelling storyline within itself. And while I love basketball, and we've had a lot of it on the show, Toronto going for this first championship, it got me thinking about the NFL and about the teams who have never won a Super Bowl. Now... 
of the 32 NFL teams, there are 12 who've yet to hoist the Lombardi Trophy. And so, as the Raptors look to bring home their first ever championship in the next couple of weeks, I thought we'd go ahead and look to football season and rank the teams who've never won a Super Bowl and their chances to change that this year. So of the 12 teams, we're just going to go ahead and count down from 12 to 1 in order from least likely to win it next year to most based on the teams who haven't done it yet. Pretty straightforward, so let's get started. Number 12, the Arizona Cardinals. Now I will say, I think the Cardinals are going to be must-see TV next year. I think that Kyler Murray is an incredibly intriguing guy who I'm going to want to watch every week. The Cliff Kingsbury hire is one that has me skeptical, but I think will be fascinating, especially to see how his offense translates to the NFL. But a rookie head coach, a rookie quarterback, especially when the quarterback is a five, nine and a half guy and the coach is a guy with a losing record in college, the idea of them coming together and winning a championship in their first year, eh, it's just I, I, I can't see it. So the Cardinals come in at number 12. Number 11, the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the Bengals finally moved on from longtime head coach Marvin Lewis, who had some really solid seasons and a pretty good tenure there, but never won a playoff game. Replaced him with a guy who I wasn't too high on, uh, Zach Taylor, who was the former Rams quarterback coach. You know, Cincinnati, they have a solid core. Andy Dalton's a decent quarterback. A.J. Green's obviously a special talent at receiver. But I just don't see them having much success in their first year with a new coach. And a big part of it is just how tough I think that division is going to be when you factor in Pittsburgh, Baltimore, who won it last year, and Cleveland with all the talent that they brought in. And they swept Cincinnati last year. I just think the Bengals have a tough road ahead in 2019. So they come in at 11. Number 10, the Detroit Lions. Their situation reminds me some of Cincinnati um, in the sense that I think they are clearly the fourth team in their division. I like Stafford more than I like Andy Dalton. And while I'm not a huge Matt Patricia fan, I do give him the edge over Zach Taylor in terms of experience, uh, not only as a head coach, but you know having success in the league. The Lions, I just didn't love their draft. Obviously, it's not an organization with a culture of winning. Always seem to be a bit dysfunctional. And again, between the Vikings, the Bears, and Aaron Rodgers, who I think is going to have a bounce back year for Green Bay, I just don't see them even really contending for a playoff spot. So the Lions come in at number 10. Number 9, the Buffalo Bills. Now, I will say for the Bills, they have a few things going for them. I love what they did in the draft. I think that they have a really good coaching staff. And I think that Josh Allen is a really intriguing talent with some special physical tools. I also think it helps that they play in a division that has a clear-cut favorite in New England, but also has two kind of struggling unknowns in the Jets and the Dolphins. So I think that gives the chance of Bills a better shot to compete for a wild card. That being said, I do think that Allen is still a year away from being a consistent enough performer to have them contending for a playoff spot. And so while I like the foundation that the Bills are building, I still think they're a few years away from being serious contenders. They come in at number nine. Number eight, the Tennessee Titans, 
who have posted three straight winning seasons, but they've all been nine and seven. So kind of just one of those borderline fighting for a wild card kind of teams. I liked Marcus Mariota coming out of Oregon, but he struggled with injuries and consistencies. Mike Vrabel, I think, is a solid head coach. Tennessee has some interesting pieces. It's just a matter of it all coming together. It feels like we keep waiting for them to take that next step, and it doesn't seem to happen. I do like them bringing in Ryan Tannehill to back up Mariota in case of an injury so they don't have to rely on Blaine Gabbert. But I still think that uh, Tennessee, I need to see more out of Mariota, especially from a consistency and health standpoint, before I can put them any higher than where they are. They come in at number eight. Number seven, the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was hard for me to put them above Tennessee given the dumpster fire season they had last year. But let not, let's not forget, this was a team just two years ago that was ahead in the AFC title game in the fourth quarter against New England with Blake Bortles at quarterback. Now, whatever you think of Nick Foles, and I wouldn't have paid him what Jacksonville did, he's undoubtedly an upgrade over Bortles, a guy who has shown that if he can get into the postseason, he's capable of performing well. Doug Marone, I think, is a decent head coach. The health and performance of Leonard Fournette is going to be key to this team because they are a run-first offense regardless of who's under center. And if they can get back to having a more consistent running game, playing the defense they played two years ago as opposed to last, and getting Foles to make enough plays in the passing game, they could surprise some people. I would have a hard time picking them any higher than third going into this season, but for now they do come in at seventh in these rankings. Number six, the Minnesota Vikings, another team that just two years ago was playing in the conference title game. I do think that Kirk Cousins is an upgrade over Case Keenum, who obviously led Minnesota to that point in 2017, but he didn't have the season many were hoping for last year. I do think another season, uh, another offseason with the weapons, guys like Thielen and Diggs, along with Dalvin Cook, and just kind of getting more familiar with the offense will help him to perform better. And the defense definitely has some talent uh, on that side of the ball for Minnesota. My biggest concern for them is Cousins' ability to perform in big games, number one. And also, it's tough for me to imagine them overtaking Chicago, although I do think the Bears will take a slight step back. And again, I do think Green Bay is coming, is going to come out guns blazing this year. So tough for me to see the Vikings uh, winning that division, but if they can sneak in in a wild card, you never know what they can do. They come in at number six. Number five, the Carolina Panthers. This was a team that last year struggled to the finish once Cam Newton got injured, but when he was healthy, they were sitting at six and two. Some were calling Newton an MVP candidate. And this was a team that, uh, you know, just a few years ago went 15-1 and and went to the Super Bowl. So we've seen Newton lead Carolina on this kind of run before. He's obviously a unique, dynamic talent from the quarterback position. You factor in guys like Chris, Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield on defense. They still have stars like Luke Keekley. And Ron Rivera is an underrated coach, I think, in this league. The biggest thing for Carolina is the health of Newton. I did like that they drafted Will Greer out of West Virginia, but I don't think as a rookie he can come in and be counted on to win games should Newton suffer an injury. So if he can stay healthy, they could rise to the top of this list. But he's had shown some struggle, you know, shown that he struggled to do that with consistency, so Carolina comes in at number five. Number four, the Houston Texans, a team who won their division last year 
But by the end of the year, I don't think anybody thought that they were the best team in that division. I think most uh, would have admitted that it was the Indianapolis Colts. Still, they have a young, up-and-coming quarterback in Deshaun Watson, who's just he's been a winner at every level he's played at. Uh, Bill O'Brien is a solid head coach. Obviously, having guys on the outside like DeAndre Hopkins, uh, who is one of the best receivers in the league, and Will Fuller, if he can stay healthy, is a dynamic weapon for that team. Defensively, of course, you have stars like J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney. My biggest concern for Houston is the offensive line. Hard to win in this league, especially against the better teams when you are losing the battle up front. And I do recognize that Houston tried to address that in the draft, but even then it felt like they were reaching with some of the guys they selected. So if they can get the offensive line right, this team can compete with anybody. Again, Watson, a very good player. Need to see him take that next step, but Houston comes in at number four. Number three, the Atlanta Falcons. This was a team that was kind of ravaged by injuries last year, but was in the playoffs two years ago, played the Eagles really tough in Philly, and obviously three years ago had New England uh, down 28-3 to in the Super Bowl before somehow coughing up that lead uh, in one of the biggest choke jobs we've ever seen. Provided that they have better luck with health this year, I'm a believer in Matt Ryan. I've seen that guy play really consistent MVP-level football. Devontae Freeman... Should be healthier. Julio Jones is obviously a beast. And the defense played surprisingly well considering the injuries they had. If they can get some of those guys back and stay healthy, I think this is a team that could surprise some people. That will certainly, I expect, challenge New Orleans for the NFC South division title. And like I said, we've seen them get all the way there and have success. Uh, They were you know, three run plays away from winning a championship already. So the Falcons come in at number three. Number two... I'm sure many will say this is too high. Cleveland Browns. Obviously, this is a franchise that has been a mess for the last 20 years. Last season was the first semblance of success that they've had. And in the grand scheme of things, it was a 7-8-1 season. But you look at the talent that this team has offensively in the backfield. Guys like Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson, Kareem Hunt, you know uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. David Njoku, Antonio Callaway outside. And defensively, they just continue to bolster that defensive line with guys like Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon. Denzel Ward was a great pick at number four last year, the corner out of Ohio State. This team seems to have all the pieces necessary. The biggest concern is whether or not Baker Mayfield will continue to progress under first-year coach Freddie Kitchens, who steps in as a head coach for the first time ever in his life. Um, But I'm a believer in Mayfield. I'm a believer in the talent that the Browns have. I think that division is there for the taking. And while it may seem like a quick turnaround from 0-16 to championship contender, we've seen second-year guys take their teams on deep postseason runs. Patrick Mahomes last year. Carson Wentz before he got hurt the year before. We've seen Ben Roethlisberger win a Super Bowl in his second year. Andrew Luck was in the divisional round. I mean, these things can happen. Um, Young players, Russell Wilson, I believe, won a Super Bowl his second year. It can happen uh, under the right circumstances. I'm a big believer in Mayfield. I'm a big believer in Cleveland's talent. We'll see if they can put it together this year. So the Browns come in at number two. And number one, the Los Angeles Chargers, who last year won, I want to say, like 12 games, 12 or 11 games, and didn't even win their division because of what Kansas City did. Obviously, Phillip Rivers at quarterback, likely a future Hall of Famer. Big believer in Anthony Lynn, who has done an outstanding job since taking over as L.A.'s head coach. 
And the Chargers have a deep roster. I mean, Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler at running back, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, uh, you know, Antonio Gates, assuming um, the one tight end who Stephen A. got his name wrong, and now I can't think of it, comes back healthy. Defensively, you look at guys like Bosa, Ingram, um, the safety Derwin James was an absolute steal in the first round last year. This team has talent everywhere. Their biggest detriment to me is the age of Rivers. You don't know when he's going to start to slow down and whether or not they can overcome what's a pretty pathetic home field advantage. If this team gets home field and gets to host a playoff game, can the 27,000 soccer stadium that they play in, uh, can that help give them enough of an advantage to, to beat the better teams? Hunter Henry was the name of the tight end I was thinking of for the record. But that's how I rank the 12 teams who haven't yet fans who listen will not be thrilled with their spot some people will probably say have the browns too high the i don't know vikings too low that's the fun of it you know to go ahead and dissect these lists so regardless it's going to be a lot of fun to watch going into next season all these teams will be chasing the same thing and we'll see if one of them rises to the top or if we have another repeat champion in the nfl coming up next we have our second ever guest interview I should note ahead of time that the interview was recorded uh, this past Friday as our guest, Elijah Hamilton Ray, had to get back to Vermont to finish up uh, his last semester of grad school. So we had to get him in before we recorded today. With that being said, some of the questions are a little outdated, but I do think the entertainment value and aspect more than makes up for it. So hope you enjoy it. I certainly did. Always appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right, very excited about this part of the episode. We officially have our second guest joining us in the short history of the Good Guy podcast. Uh, This guy right here went to high school with him, former all-conference kick returner uh, as a player at Kalamazoo College. That is a D3 school for those of you who aren't up on your low-level college football. Played a little running back, played a little wide receiver, pretty talented artist, and someone I am... Very ashamed to call my best friend, uh, Elijah Hamilton Ray, joins us on the show today. Elijah, good to have you on the podcast. Yo, what's up? Thanks for having me out here. Uh, You left a few things on the bio. Uh, I'm also uh, a talented rapper. Uh, You know what I mean? I I, I got bars. That's that's one thing you miss out. No, yeah, I did leave that part out. Uh, Elijah has a few singles on the uh, app Rap Chat. So if you haven't had the chance to uh, download that, uh, do you have a username for Rap Chat? Uh, I think it's Spasmanian Devil. <laughs> so if you want to hear some hot bars, you can look up Spasmanian Devil on Rap Chat. And actually, me and Andres have a track together. <laughs> and it's fire. So <laughs> he's not wrong. I didn't. I didn't want to brag it up, you know, on the show, but it, he's not wrong. It, it is fire. Uh, all right, so. You are one of the people who I know for a fact listens to the show pretty regularly, um, and I know that because you send, tend to send me a lot of feedback, most of it negative, because, you know, that's just the kind of friend that you are. Um, so I take issue with, you grew up in Ohio, and so being that you're a Cleveland sports fan, it's understandable that you kind of have some low self-esteem as a sports fan and, and get very defensive about your few treasures, uh, you know, when you have a chance to have them. And so I've come on the show, mm-hmm. talked a lot about LeBron James, and I think that I've been pretty fair. 
I've said that he's the second greatest player of all time. I've said that he had a poor year, his first year in L.A. I said he'll never be MJ, but that he's a role model the kids should look up to off the court. I think I've been pretty objectively fair about LeBron. And yeah, week in and week out, you call me a hater. Where are you getting this from, man? Okay, well, first of all, the podcast needs to be changed to the LeBron Hater podcast. Because every week, no matter what's in the news, you find a way to bring up LeBron and how he's a bad teammate, a bad leader. I believe you called him a bad father at one point. That is not true. (laughs) Okay, whatever. So, I mean, you made some points. You definitely made some points that I, you know, looking back on it, I'm like, all right, fine. But, I mean, the hater, the hater ratio... (laughs) It's definitely week in and week out. You think he was a good leader in LA this year? I was I was hating when I said that. Okay, look, he got hurt, bro. They were eighteen and thirteen, sitting in the middle of the West. He gets hurt. Lonzo gets hurt. You know, it's just you can't you can't run a team when people are hurt. Now I will say he should not have uh, vouched for that trade with Anthony Davis so hard in the middle of the season. I think that threw off the team chemistry. A tad bit. A bit, yeah. A bit. <laughs> but overall, it was not his fault this year. All right, all right. So I'll grant you some of that's true, but let's not ignore the lackadaisical defense. We've all seen the clips against Memphis. Lackadaisical. That's what I meant. <laughs> Throwing the ball off the backboard, trying to inbound it on a JaVale McGee, Shaq and the Fool kind of play. I mean, losing to the Knicks, losing to the Hawks when he played, showing up to the game with a glass of wine in his like, like you know, like he's showing up to a party. He's going to work. You can't show up to work, especially if you're not even going to participate. I'm just, I'm just saying, man. I don't know. I don't know. You can call a hater right. I think you're being a little defensive because he's your Ohio guy, and even though he abandoned y'all twice. Okay, the first time <laughs> maybe an abandonment. The second time he left good graces. Uh, you know that 2016 championship in Cleveland. That was the best day of my life to this day. To this day, all right? <laughs> I, I believe that, yeah. All right, real quick. You think he's going to get a championship during his time in L.A.? I think so. Because uh, I think they're actually about to bring in, not in, you know, not an all, maybe not like a, a superstar, but I think they can bring in an all-star this year, and they're definitely getting Anthony Davis. So I think that's handled out there, bro. You think they're getting Anthony Davis? Well, we'll, we'll have to see about that. I, I've heard that the Pelicans owner is... Uh... Not trying to make a trade with the Lakers at really any cost, but if you if they get him, I think you're right. They'll definitely be a contender. Uh, well, they would get him this year. They would get him in free agency in a couple years. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, if he's still, I mean, I don't know. He's getting hurt now, so we got to see if he's if he's gonna be breaking down. But uh, all right. So obviously, we touched on you being from Ohio and and all that. I've known you for a long time. You've always been a loyal Cleveland Browns fan, and I have admired that about you um sat through the 0 16 year the 1 and 15 year uh johnny manzel brandon whedon and finally after all these years you got baker mayfield who as you know i was very high on coming into the draft he had a really excellent rookie season now you bring in guys like odell beckham obviously cream hunt comes with some baggage but he is a very talented running back as a Browns fan, what would you consider a successful season given all the talent that Cleveland has coming into this year? Uh, making the playoffs. That's all I want. 10 and 6. All right. I think that's that is not unreasonable to ask of these people. All right. Um dog, 0 and 16 and 1 and 15. Yo, first of all, <laughs> uh Hugh Jackson. This man 
was about to ruin affirmative action, all right? <laughs> He's the first black man that had a job for too long, okay? <laughs> but, but yeah, I think this year, man, they got, they got too much offense not to do something with it. I mean, Freddie Kitchens, very unproven, but come on. I think you, you get Baker up in Freddie's kitchen, you never know, man. I think he's going to... I think they'll be cooking up some points this year. That's just my, my guess. Do you think... All right, so I came on a few weeks ago when they got Odell. I said that it's not unrealistic to think that they could compete for a Super Bowl. And hear me out, right? Mm-hmm. People think it's too early. Carson Wentz mm-hmm. had the Eagles in position to go to the Super Bowl his second year. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes, second year player, took the Chiefs to the AFC title game. Jared Goff in his third year, but his second year under Sean McVay, took the Rams to the Super Bowl. So do you think it's... it's too much on too soon to be pushing for those expectations or do you think that uh given like you said the amount of talent that they have is fair uh i think it's too much too soon because i mean other ones are like good examples of people it worked out for but i don't know if baker Mayfield is gonna have a decline this you know sophomore season Ooh, i don't know I don't, I don't know i don't know man i think a full year in freddie's offense the you know Odell in the full. I just think they have too many weapons for him to take a step back. But That's you could true. be right. You could be right. All right. So Cavaliers obviously had a rough season this past year. Uh, LeBron's first leaving for LA. They got a couple nice young pieces. Colin Sexton didn't look too bad, but uh, Ty Lue obviously is no longer the coach there. They bring in a guy that you know fairly well, being an Ohio State fan, Michigan head basketball coach John Beeline. Leaves the Wolverines to come be the new coach of Cleveland. How do you feel about the hire, and what do you kind of think the outlook is for the Cavs in the next, let's say, couple of seasons? Well, <laughs> John Beeline, you know what? I respect it. Uh, he old, but <laughs> I don't know. They might be able to make it work with him. Was he a five-year deal, right? Yeah, he got a five-year deal. Uh, yeah. He's going to live that long, but you know <laughs> Man, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it could work out. I think it could work out. Um, but I feel like they're just kind of like keep tanking and just trying to get those extra pieces. And I am not a fan of tanking at all. Uh, but you know, it's it's really hard for a college coach to transition to the the NBA because you got to coach players way differently. Yeah, you no, know he's, I mean? he's not coaching <laughs> Iggy Bros Davis anymore. Yeah, I'm coaching players that make more than him. So <laughs> you know what I mean? You kind of have to. Take a step back, relax a little bit. Unless you're pop, like that doesn't really work out <laughs> usually. Yeah, I was uh, definitely surprised by the hire, but but I'm with you. I think it's it's going to be an interesting transition. Um, I thought they'd go for a young coach, so I mean, obviously we'll see. I don't think that uh, you know, he's going to have too much success in the first couple of years. But you know, tanking has worked out for like Philly, so you know if Cleveland's going to do that, hopefully do it the right way no more uh what was the guy that like anthony bennett let's not do any more anthony bennett's <laughs> yo anthony bennett was they didn't give him a fair chance in cleveland all right that man was about to be people are gonna hear super- you saying this just so you know it was about to be a superstar okay <laughs> this isn't just you and me talking we're gonna post this so it's gonna be on record that you just said anthony bennett would have been a superstar <laughs> they didn't give him a fair shot man all right well there, there's all you need to know about elijah's uh nba knowledge uh all right, so obviously the NBA Finals are coming up in a few days. Warriors have already locked themselves in uh, after sweeping the Portland, Portland Trailblazers. And in the East, last night Toronto took a 3-2 lead over Milwaukee. Which team would you rather see play the Warriors in the Finals? And which matchup do you think would be more intriguing? Is, like, uh, 
as far as one you'd, you'd prefer to see, I guess? Uh, I think I'm – well, it would be fun to watch Kawhi try and take on the Warriors in, like, a hero position uh, because he has, like, like all the superstar skill. You know what I mean? Like, Giannis is a great player, but uh, creating his own shots – not at the rim is a big problem for him, but um, I don't know. I think I'd I think I'd rather see the Bucks because just because they have a, a better shot. And me being a Cleveland fan, of course, I hate the Warriors. Naturally, <laughs> yeah, naturally, yeah, they, they had to slap uh, you all around the last couple of years. So and uh, put this on record: the Milwaukee Bucks are not going to lose this series. I actually predicted the beginning. I predicted on my last show that the series was already over. After game three, so I'm really hoping that you're right. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's not looking too good, but. All, I've never been wrong in my life. That's not so true. I, That's a lie. I've never been wrong. Andres knows it. My record, I'm 82 and 0. You know what I'm saying? No, he's not. That, that's, that's incorrect. Uh, all right, so speaking of the Raptors, there's been a lot of hoopla, and you can tell it's this time of year when stories like this make headlines. Do you make a big deal, no deal, little deal about the whole issue with Drake? Being on the sidelines, you know, standing up in his seat, a bunch of antics, you know, rubbing the coach's shoulders. I really think that's not that big of a deal. Personally, it's a Spike Lee kind of fun element to the game. What do you think about that, and do you think it's an issue at all? Well, I mean, when there's like a celebrity ambassador of a team, pretty much, they, it's just, you know, there's a lot of celebrities that, that do all these antics. Um, and, you know, Nick Nurse, he looked tense in that game. I think he needed a little shoulder rub. Uh, from from Jersey Drake himself, Champagne <laughs> and, you know, Poppy came through. Drake is the corniest man alive, <laughs> and I mean, he gets away with being corny in a way that I I don't know how he has not been called out in like the rap community. He has like a chokehold on I don't know, <laughs> but Drake Drake that's 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 the homie right there. Yeah, he found his lane, man. And now he just owns it. <laughs> yeah, but no, I didn't make a big deal out of it. I think. Uh, Mike Budenholzer, he should have won the game. That's <laughs> that. Yes, yeah, that's that's a good point. I'm just trying to figure out where's Kid Cudi been at at y'all games, trying to rub uh, Coach Beeline. Show. You know, we gotta get him for Coach Beeline next year. It's a little overdue. Is there any other rapper that came out of Cleveland that's a big deal besides him? Uh, MGK. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't want we don't want Machine Gun Kelly. No, I'm kidding. never never mind. I'm sorry I asked. All right, a couple uh, quick ones. Kevin Durant, Warriors, better without him or not? Nah? Of course not. Okay. I don't think so either, but I've heard that being thrown around. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. But I just wasn't sure. Where do you think he's going to go next year? You hear a lot of talk about the Knicks. Some people are wondering if he'll stay in Golden State, maybe go to the Clippers. The Nets have been thrown around. Where do you, where do you want to see him go, and where do you think he'll end up? Don't say Cleveland because he's not going there. <laughs> uh, he is for sure going to the Knicks. Put that on the – on the list. Put down the record. But I've never gotten wrong. <laughs> okay, for sure. So he's definitely not going there. What what about uh Kyrie Irving? Where you want to see former Cavalier go? Hey. It's a reunion. Oh, in LA? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. So he was sick of playing with LeBron and now he's gonna go running back to him? No, he was not sick of, he was sick he thought he was sick of playing with LeBron. But really, they need each other. Oh, is that what it is? It's a match made in heaven. It's like it's like a girlfriend he thought he didn't want to be with, and then they broke up, and he realized he had to have her back. Yeah, that's that's pretty much that's the deal, right? You there. know how that goes yeah. for sure. We won't, you know, <laughs> keep that off the air. But all right, uh, and then lastly, as far as free agents are concerned, Kawhi Leonard. 
sticking around Toronto, going to the Clippers, Lakers. What you think? Ooh, you know what? I think that if they make it to the finals, which they won't because I already told y'all what's going to happen. <laughs> but if they did somehow, uh, I think that would put him in a really tricky spot, especially if they pushed the Warriors or even won the series, which I don't see happening, actually. But I think, I think he'll, he'll end up in L.A., on the clip side. On the Clippers. That's what I think that's where he'll end up as well. I would like to see him with Doc Rivers because that was a surprisingly good team this year with really no marquee star yeah. to go six games with the Warriors and win 48. It's a great job by Doc Rivers. All right, well, we uh, definitely appreciate having you on for the first time. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we let you go? We got some time. Uh, yeah, obviously. Okay, so I just want to uh, I have a few sponsors. I want to I wanna get out there. Uh, <clears throat> Keystone. It's beer. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> all right. That's uh, the that's, that's wrap for my sponsorships. Real quick, real quick, for all of our uh, movie people out there, what did you think of the Avengers Endgame? Yo. Okay. So the MCU is the best thing that ever happened in life. Okay? That was like the greatest thing of my life besides when the Cavs won the championship. Endgame was tight. You haven't seen it yet, have you? I have not seen it yet. I'm going to try to make it this weekend. You are a loser. I'm, I'm, out. I'm behind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. What about Game of Thrones ending? You, A lot of people weren't happy with it. I didn't watch it, but I know a lot of people were upset. I know you're a fan of the show. Mm-hmm. Did they did they, they screw it up? You one of those people trying to sign the rewrite petition? What's going on? Uh, yeah, I am trying to sign the rewrite petition. <laughs> the petition. There you go. Easy for you to say. <laughs> After uh, after you know a few days looking back on the on the final episode and final season, they needed if not four more episodes, they needed like three more seasons to wrap the show up because they did uh, an awful job. <laughs> Terrible. Not not missing words there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we know you're in uh, grad school, about to finish that up for the art program at yep. Johnson College in Vermont. Everybody out there wants to know what's next for Elijah Hamilton Ray. Yeah, okay, so I'm top three artists in the world. I can say that. Probably not. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're talking about status, <laughs> no. Top three in that program, <laughs> I, I, I bet money on it. Uh, top one in the program, what you mean? Uh, yo, so my art Instagram, y'all should, y'all should follow me on there. It's uh, Canvas Kids, spelled with a K. So that's Canvas with a K and then Kids. That's only two Ks, right? <laughs> <laughs> only, only two Ks. Like, not like the Canvas Kids Club or nothing like that, right? Speaking of the three Ks, you remember that time we saw the clan of North? I do remember that. We saw a live clan rally in Holland, Michigan, and we yeah. were in eighth grade. It was horrifying. That was wild. <laughs> I don't know if uh, it actually happened, but to this day, I'm, I'm holding on. To this day, I'm convinced, yes. Yeah. All right, well, we appreciate having you on. Hope to definitely get you back on in the future. Uh, remember, check out Canvas Kid on Instagram. Canvas, Canvas Kids. with an S or a Z? S. With an S. All right, good. So we're keeping it grammatically correct. Uh, always appreciate having guests on the show. Elijah, hope to have you back again on, the episode, on another episode soon. Um, but, you know, if you keep dropping nonsense like Anthony Betta would have been an all-pro, I'm a, I'm, that's not going to happen. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up today's episode. Uh, Appreciate y'all who took the time to listen, whether it's one segment, particularly this segment, the whole episode, the opening song by Drake or whatever. Always appreciate appreciate you guys who take the time. Have a safe weekend. Enjoy the warm weather. And as always, thank you for listening to the Good Guy Podcast.